Previously on At the Movies with Arch Campbell and Lou Katz. You had yet another career triumph as you, as Count Gore, showed the new director's cut of The Exorcist. And how did the movie go over? The audience was totally possessed. (laughs) (laughs) Heads were spinning. (laughs) Unfortunately, no one spit up Let's see soup anywhere on the floor. At the movies uh, with Arch Campbell. Is that where we are? I think so. At last check. And Lou Katz and a cast of thousands. It begins right now. Oh, my. Well, who do we have here? (laughs) We have yours truly, (laughs) L-double-O, Lou Katz, legendary... Why do you write this? Legendary Washington, D.C. radio You are a legend. You were on radio (laughs) in Washington for, what, 47 years? Yeah, something crazy like that. About the time Marconi invented it. (laughs) Exactly. You went on the air. More importantly, please, let's welcome the guy who spent a month at a drive-in theater watching the hit show Closed for the Season... I'm still waiting for it to start. <laughs> it's Mr. Arch Campbell. Here we are. Here we are. And it's our regular podcast on movies and entertainment and uh, maybe with a few jokes uh, thrown in. Uh-huh. And uh, and we talk to friends and people we admire on this. And so Lou, uh, uh, Lou and I... Have gone. We went. We saw a movie together that we're going to talk about next week. Yeah, Ford versus Ferrari. Yep. Yeah. People don't know that you're a speed demon. <laughs> I don't know about in that. Your, in your Porsche. but I've always I've always been a been a been a car buff. So I, yeah. do, I I didn't know that about you. Yeah. So it's going to be know, fun. We'll talk about that next week. It was Bob Ryan for a few months, the weather guy right. at Channel Four. Yeah, for so uh, long. For for many years. He kept a 1958 Jaguar in his garage that he had had in uh, college. No kidding. And uh, that thing was a beauty, and he sold it. And then for about six months, he had a Ferrari, and he got rid of it because he couldn't drive it anywhere. (laughs) Not not the way it's supposed to be driven. (laughs) No, I mean, the thing is like three inches off the ground. I mean, if you hit a speed bump, you knock the bottom of the thing off. I had no idea Ryan was such a car buff. Oh, yeah, yeah. Maybe one of these days we'll get him. We should talk to to him, too, yeah. You know, we should... I should get him to review Ford versus Ferrari. I'm going to talk to him about that. Oh yeah. All right. Well, let's do that. Okay. Well, let's let's pull ahead because let's move forward because this is a big week. Ah, yes, big big week. This week brings the long-awaited Martin Scorsese epic, The Irishman, to theaters in Washington and around the country. The film moves to Netflix November 27th, which is the day before Thanksgiving. And I look at this as another sign of the change in the way we watch movies. And who better to discuss that change than our longtime friend, Jen Cheney. And Jen, before we get started, I just want to remind everybody that you review film and television on Vulture.com and that you appear on WTOP Radio and that you wrote the book As If, which is still available on Amazon and all the other bookstores in town. And hello, Jen. And you just saw The Irishman last night, so what are your first uh, responses? I mean, I thought it was an excellent movie. Uh, It was great to see, you know, Robert De Niro and and Al Pacino and Joe Pesci in in the same uh, cinematic space again. As many people know, it is a long film, 
And I will say I did feel the three and a half hours. <laughs> um, you know, there there are a lot of instances of, of uh, De Niro and Pacino having these conversations where it's, you know, De Niro saying, you need to talk to this person. Tony who? Which Tony? And it's this Abbott and Costello thing that goes back and forth, which is kind of funny, but I feel like, you know, and far be it from me to, to act as though I know better than Martin Scorsese and, and Thomas Schoonmacher, his uh, editor, but I felt like could have lost some of those and we would have been okay and maybe saved like 10 or 15 minutes. Yeah, it was three and a half hours long. And believe me, uh, as a man uh, in my stage of life, <laughs> and I do want you to know that I, I, I stayed for the entire three and a half hours. But uh, I was really grateful when it hit. <laughs> <laughs> a number of people did get up and come back. I mean, it is a, it is a long time to, uh, to to sit there, for sure, for anybody. Well, before we really get into the movie, I have this kind of idea of The Irishman as a hybrid. In other words, when it comes to Netflix in a couple of weeks, you can pause it, take the break you need, and then come back. And I almost wonder if it's... Um, well, it certainly is indicative of the change in the way we watch movies, and I, I, I want your thoughts on that. Well, when you say hybrid, what do you mean by that? Well, I mean, it's, uh, it works because of its length and because you can get up and take a break. I think it works almost as well watching at home on your big screen on Netflix as it does in a theater with other people. And it, it pains me to say this, but I think it comes closer than anything else. You know, this, this conversation has been going on a lot and to the point where some people on, on social media have even said, you know, this should have been a limited series or this is really a, a TV show in a sense because it is going to be available on Netflix. And I think it's still a movie. <laughs> you know, a movie is... Uh, a story that's told uh, from beginning to end in a contained period of time, even if that contained period of time is very long and happens to be three and a half hours. You know, I, I agree with you that it is nice to be able to, like, pause it and have that, you know, freedom to not miss anything. On the other hand, I liked seeing it in the theater because if I had been watching it at home, I believe I would have lost focus. I believe, you know, m my dog would have jumped on me or... <laughs> You know, my son would have asked me a question or I just would have been like, gosh, I need to check Twitter and find out what Donald Trump did in the past 45 minutes. Um, <laughs> and, I, and I would have stopped watching. And, and I felt like and I, and I feel this way in general, not just about this movie, but part of what I treasure about the theater experience at this point is that it is this focused, mm -hmm. uninterruptible period of time where I have to pay attention to a story and, and not be distracted. And I feel like you kind of have to go to a theater to, to get that experience these days. So where are we with The Irishman? Is Was this a good idea? Is it a good idea to move it to Netflix? I think, I think it's an inevitable idea, and this is something that Scorsese has talked about, which is that, you know, a lot of the, the major studios are not funding these kinds of films mm -hmm. and putting them out there in the way that they used to. And Netflix is willing, until it runs out of money anyway, to continue <laughs> funding these kinds of films. I don't know where they're getting all their money. It's confusing. But, you know, and it's not just The Irishman. It's A Marriage Story. It's um, Dolomite Is My Name. You know, a lot of the films that we're talking about this season and as awards contenders are Netflix movies. And if they're willing to put the money into movies that are of that caliber and that I would say more crucially are very much aimed at adults and not trying to be uh, a franchise that's going to attract the whole family. Um, we're going to see more of these, these uh, Netflix movies and more of this kind of uh, release setup where you can see it 
in your own home pretty soon after it's in the theater. Well, uh, speaking of the content of uh, The Irishman, I just want to throw out there that I really love the arc of it, which is De Niro sort of telling the story of his life and maybe regretting the changes in his life or maybe not. Uh, And the ending I found particularly powerful, which is uh, De Niro in in a... Uh, a retirement home, uh, an assisted living facility in a wheelchair, thinking about the years he lived. I I agree. I thought the last hour of the film, um, you know, as it builds up to what happens to Jimmy Hoffa, and and certainly in the wake of that, as you say, was really, really powerful. Uh, And and in a lot of ways, I think it maybe wouldn't have had the power if you hadn't been sitting with it for a little bit. Mm Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it is. It does take a little while to unfold, and, and I didn't mind that. They do have a theory on the disappearance of Jimmy Hoffa, and I is it a spoiler alert if I say I was disappointed he's not in the end zone of some football stadium? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's if you believe this, this version of events to be true. And, and you know what? You're allowed to believe that it isn't and that he is in the end zone of a football stadium. Uh, I forget which stadium. He was supposed to be in. They were building it at the time. We're in an interesting time, and uh, I find your role in reviewing really interesting because you review television and you review streaming and you review uh, movies. So first, let's start with what are you reviewing? What are you recommending at the movies these days? You know, a movie that... uh... I was skeptical about that and then was very pleasantly surprised by was uh, Jojo Rabbit, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, which is Taika Waititi's film, which, I, what are they calling it, a, a an anti-hate satire, which I'm not sure is exactly right, but I understand why they why they went with that as a tagline, because it, it, it is about um, a young boy who's growing up and wanting to be a Nazi and his imaginary friend is Adolf Hitler. Um <laughs> Uh, which is, you know, dicey territory, but I, I think it's, you know, it's, it's a really funny movie mm-hmm. and it, and it, you know, it casts the Nazis in such an absurd light, but it also has these really powerful touching yeah. moments, um, that, you know, certainly I understand that there are people who can never, ever laugh at, at anything related to the Holocaust. And, and I respect that, but, um, I don't know if you, if you open yourself to it, it it's a really interesting movie unlike any other movie i've seen this year one thing i read and uh, resonated with is that it is uh to an extent uh, a story about a mother's love mm-hmm. which is which is touching to me i also think it's a story about a you know how impressionable a, a young person can be exactly and how propaganda can affect them and i think that that's very very relevant <laughs> right now to our own experiences i want to ask you about the response to Downton Abbey, which I think is an example of a film that came out there and uh, has uh, uncovered an entire niche that the rest of us might have missed. What would you think of Downton Abbey? I really enjoyed it, and I enjoyed it to sort of bring this back to where we were with The Irishman, because it was like a, it was a movie version, of a longer version of an episode of Downton Abbey, and the stakes are extremely not high. <laughs> like, the, the, the big thing is that the royals are coming and they have to, like, make dinner and make it nice. And, and there's something so pleasant about that, to just go into the theater and, like, this is what we all have to worry about. Uh, and certainly it was nice to see the characters again. So it was just, like, a pleasant 
bit of escapism in the same way that the show was always that. But, you know, I think people underestimated. Uh I mean, that show was an enormous, enormous sensation around the world and here in America. And it's been off the air for a few years. And I I knew when that was coming out, like, people are going to go. They're going to, you know, try to get tea at concessions and and bring in a sneak in a stone. And they're going to sit there and they're going to watch that with all their friends. And that's what they did. Well, and frankly, I hope they make some more because I'd be interested to know what happens during the Depression and then particularly during World War II. I just I just find that sort of a of a uh, you know an elephant in the room or sort of an invisible hit that people aren't quite recognizing but but has certainly uncovered you know an audience is an audience so God love them yeah for sure now what do you like on streaming these days and and by saying that let me also say that I got hooked on Succession I love Succession I think it's terrific and I think. You know, I liked the first season, but the second season, it really kind of caught fire uh, with a wider audience and certainly on the Internet. Um, it was it was the most popular show on the Internet, I feel like, this year, just in terms of how much it was discussed and how, how many memes were generated by it. And it's, it's just a really well-written, smart, smart piece of television. Kind of based on the Murdochs and the story of an of a uber-wealthy family and trying to get someone to take over the business but the old man, uh, Brian Cox, does not want to hand it back. And my wife was hooked on every episode except one where they go to a resort and uh, the father figure makes his son-in-law and his uh, nephew uh, beg for sausages like pigs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it goes to some weird places, um, but th- th- that's kind of what I like about it, to be honest. And I thought, uh, you know, I don't know if you have you watched all of season two. Yes, I did. I saw the I saw the finale too, so I know what's coming. Okay, yeah, the, the finale was just excellent, excellent. What is the secret of Succession's success, though? And and is this the next big thing? Uh, you know, the funny thing is, as much as it was talked about online. Uh, I don't know that it's, you know, ratings were like super high necessarily, but I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to figure out what it is that people are drawn to because, you know, the last thing we should want to watch right now is a show about um, horrible, wealthy people. But I, I think some of it is that they, like I was saying about Jojo Rabbit, it, it does render them absurd in certain ways. Mm-hmm. But you also kind of, as much opulence as they're surrounded by, you do feel sorry for them. So, you know, I, I just think there's, there's a lot of stuff going on in the show that, that makes it rise above what its premise sounds like it's going to be. Well, I got through Succession, and now uh, Gina and I are bereft. <laughs> we we don't know what to watch. What's coming up? Well, there's another show on HBO that just got underway that is fantastic, um, Watchmen, uh-huh. which is based on the comic, and it was also made into a movie, which I thought was awful. I remember it. Yeah, this does it a much better service because um, it's created by Damon Lindelof, who co-created Lost and, and The Leftovers. And instead of trying to do a literal adaptation of what the comic was, he has kind of pushed it forward in time. And so you're imagining, here's what this universe looks like in the present, because the, the comics were based in the 80s. And taking a lot of the ideas from it, but also developing new characters. What's the uh, the plot of uh, Watchmen? You start out, it, it's really looking at um, Tulsa, Oklahoma, and a landscape where there 
the police there basically have to, to be masked so that this white supremacist group won't know who they are and they won't be targeted. Oh. So it's, it's looking at masked vigilantes and superheroes from a different perspective. But it also starts out, um, the, the opening sequence is uh, about the, the riots in Tulsa and the killing of, of black people that actually happened. And that I, I have to say, I knew nothing about that history. And I think just that part of it alone has raised a lot of awareness around that, that I think is, if the show does nothing else, it has been enormously valuable from that point of view. But having seen six of the nine episodes, mm-hmm. I can tell you it just it gets better and better. Mm. Well, I will tell you that The Leftovers is one of my all-time favorites. And, uh, and, and it's one of those shows that when I've got nothing, occasionally I'll go back and just start over on that. So uh, that's, that's a recommendation for me. So when people come up to you these days and they say, uh, what are you recommending? What's your answer? I go, oi. <laughs> <laughs> because there's so much. One, another one I'll throw out for, for folks is on Netflix, the show Unbelievable, which I don't know if you've had an opportunity to watch. But it's based on, you know, a real, a real story about a woman, a young woman in Washington State who uh, was raped by an intruder who, who broke into her apartment. Oh, yeah. She reported it to police, and then they, they basically disbelieve her. Uh, and then a few years later, elsewhere in the country, there are some other rape cases, and those start to be investigated. And it, it follows both of those stories. Um, Caitlin Deaver, who I think is such a tremendous actress is in it and Merritt Weaver and Tony Collette are the two cops that end up investigating and mm. I just watching the two of them I was like you know this is the true detective we never got and that we absolutely deserve they're fantastic it's a great great season of television so I highly recommend that to people well that is that's a good wreck right there so that and Jojo Rabbit and I think we're both uh, uh, on the same page on uh, the Irishman yeah uh, except I might be a little more apt to watch it at home and pause it. I do, you know, the AFI is going to run it uh, in a week from Friday, and uh, I may go back over there to the big theater in Silver Spring and watch again. Yeah, that'd be a great place to see it. It's always fun talking to you, Jen, and I really appreciate your time and talent. And uh, just let me remind everybody that you're on Vulture.com. And that you are the author of As If, the oral history of the making of the movie Clueless. And we also hear you on WTOP Radio. And uh, uh, thank you so much for being here. Oh, thanks. It was my pleasure. So that's our dear friend Jen Chaney. And we we'll, I love uh, talking to her. And um, she is uh, she is offered to come into our studio every now and then. Wouldn't wow. that be great? Wow, that'd be great. Hmm. I got to actually clean the place up. <laughs> Hit the bathroom. Yeah, I would love that. That'd okay. be real fun. Yeah, she's nearby, so that yeah. might work great. Well, uh, let's catch up on new movies. I already told you about The Irishman. I think it's great, and I think it's a contender. And uh, I caught a screening of the new Stephen King thriller, Dr. Sleep. Dr. Sleep. Have you heard about this? No, I guess I must have been sleeping. <laughs> It's kind of a sequel to Stanley Kubrick's classic, The Shining. Dr. Sleep robbed me of sleep. Uh, This thing really disturbed me. It's a chilling story of the bonding of the kid from The Shining with a young teen born who has the same powers. You know, Shining, it's this power where you're 
you can uh, uh, it's mental telepathy and that and then there's this cult who lives off the pain and suffering of their victims uh, this thing it, my spine tingled Ugh. it's a pretty good story it's a great story I'm not a horror movie fan but uh, but I I thought uh, Doctor Sleep was quite good and worth three stars frankly Arch I would never go see that one I'm just chicken when it comes to scary movies don't like them. While I was scaring myself silly, (laughs) Lou, you and your wife went to the screening of Last Christmas. Wendy and I saw it. Based on the song. Right, Right, exactly. A lot of George George Michael music in the soundtrack. Last Christmas, I gave you my heart. Keep going, Arch. I forgot what are the rest of the words. Arch, I, I think I prefer. I <laughs> yes, think I prefer I think uh, George, George Michael's Michael. version of it. Yeah. Anyway, the movie stars Amelia Clark. You remember her from Game of Thrones? Well, I never watched Game of Thrones. Nor did but I. I My <laughs> but, son Max was a big yeah, fan, but she plays. Know. She plays a character called Kate, who has a job as an elf in a year-round Christmas shop uh-huh. over in London, and she goes through all kinds of distress with her family and her crazy boss. And these Christmas movies really connect they you know do. and uh, this sounds a little bit like love actually and and then of course there's elf which is uh rising and uh, among the list of christmas movies people like i think it's a smart idea to bring it out henry golding you might remember him from crazy rich asians oh, he, he was, he's a great actor yeah he plays the character tom who seems too good to be true uh-huh. as he walks into uh, kate's life there is a twist in the plot uh-huh. i would say three quarters of the way through the movie Mm -hmm. that I did not see. I'm not going to give it away, but I did not see coming. This was a Hound Radio promotion. You gave away tickets to last Christmas. away tickets to the screening, and I I swear, Arch, I was brought to tears. I saw your wife, Wendy, the other night and asked her about this, and she just glowed. Yeah. You know, you need a movie like that. Yeah. So uh, let's see. So far, we got The Irishman. Yep. That's four stars. That's a big uh, mob epic. And then there's Doctor Sleep. If you if you want to be scared out of your wits, it will certainly do it. And uh, Last Christmas, yeah, uh, I give uh, that one three barks. By the uh, way, that's great. I saw this movie Midway that opens this week. It's a World War II epic. Uh, it's long. It's got phony looking CGI graphics. It feels like an old John Wayne movie. The script is just awful. I know it must be based on some of the great uh, history books of the Second World War. And uh, I would say, find one of those history books. Skip this thing. So, now, here's Lou Katz with this important announcement. At the Movies, Mm, with Arch Campbell Mm -hmm. and yours truly, Lou Katz, and a cast of thousands, Uh all fitting into this little bed... All fitting into this little basement studio <laughs> comes to you from the yes. worldwide headquarters. That's where we are of the Cats Podcasting <laughs> System, located in a very expensive underground bunker <laughs> buried deep beneath Bethesda, Maryland. Mm. This is the Cats Podcasting System. Do uh, affiliates cut away when they? <laughs> 
when they hear those chimes. That's the funniest thing I've heard. That, affiliate? That, a what? Our affiliates, our they affiliate. cut away for the local news. Yeah, <laughs> that's a, the, the long list zero of affiliates. Yes, that's so. A, well, this is where we give the email address, and guess what? I received an email from Bob Spruill, who signs that Bob Spruill, a.k.a. your lone emailer. <laughs> and that he and is. He wrote about Martin Scorsese, whom we were talking about earlier, because right. uh, Scorsese said he doesn't like Marvel comic book movies. They are not real cinema, and that others, including Coppola and Spielberg, seem to agree with him. And then uh, Spruill says, well, so Scorsese makes The Irishman, and they run it on Netflix. So is he talking out of both sides of his mouth? Huh. Um, and the answer is yes. <laughs> uh, I'm not a Marvel comics book movie person, but uh, God bless Marvel and their audiences. And I would just add, Bob, we're in this kind of hybrid time, and uh, and this is what's going on, and it's going to sort itself out. But I got to tell you, I think Netflix has the advantage. Oh, at this point, absolutely. You know, now, did you get another email from the chance? I, I received an email from Maher Ganurdi, who said that he met me 20 years ago on the mall at the New Year's Eve festivities, and that I was nice to him. <laughs> you nice to somebody? Come I on. was nice. I turned around and said hello, and uh, they invited me to come and watch a screening of The Irishman with them because they're huh. going to go see it at East Street next week. Wow. But uh, Bob, uh, unlike my closest friends, does not know that I rarely leave the house after 11 a.m. <laughs> so I, I I really appreciated that. Wow. that two two emails. Kind. That is record-breaking. Now, what is our email address? You can reach the man, Arch, A-R-C-H, at houndradio.com. Houndradio. And if for some crazy reason you actually want to reach me, it's Lou, L-O-O, at houndradio.com. Hmm. Well, I asked Bob to get us a sponsor. Is he working on that? <laughs> yeah, he, and he's working on oh, that. Right. He is. He is. Boy, well, he can, he can get a commission <laughs> on the sponsor. Hey, now, this is you should plug Hound Radio. We talk about Hound Radio every We do, now. yeah. We, we, ha we have a small but dedicated audience at mm -hmm. houndradio.com. It's an internet-only adult contemporary music format. And we're, our slogan is music chat this and that well and, and it's like the great days of wash and uh, back in the, the old wash fm heydays yes. what we call middle of the road or soft rock yeah it's got a little bit of everything soft for everybody rock. we have features like associated press news and showbiz news remember w light oh, years gosh, ago sure. what a great that was the first kind of Light, light station, rock, uh, yeah. station at least in this market yeah. for sure yeah. anyway we hope you have a chance to check it out it's again at houndradio.com and coming soon as a matter of fact within the next two weeks we're going to start picking out offices in the dmv to go to to deliver free bagel brunches from bethesda bagels would it kill them <laughs> to drop a dozen bagels off down here in the underground bunker <laughs> huh bethesda bagels right as many times as i tell people how much i like bethesda bagels would it kill them to do that 
Do you think you think the bagel brunch might visit here? I think we can probably arrange a couple extra. What's your you want a sesame and everything? What, what right. would you like? Yeah, and you know what else I like is Quartermain's coffee, and I think Quartermain's is next door to Bethesda Bagels in mm-hmm. Bethesda in, down, in downtown Bethesda, and yeah. they're another local coffee, and their coffee is quite good. So I'm a fan of theirs. You know, Quartermain's. You could buy a little spot. <laughs> I give you a little testimonial, <laughs> but we his, like like those local uh, companies. His endorsement fees are minimal, <laughs> by the way. You're listening to At the Movies with Arch Campbell and Lou Katz and a cast of thousands. And now, the moment you've been holding your breath <laughs> for. I'm holding something for this. It is time for another edition of Ask Arch. Oh, Ask Arch. The is po- this a regular feature of this podcast uh, It is podcast a regular now? feature. Seems to happen a lot. Where you, our sole listener out there on the World Wide Web, get to ask the questions. Now you, the listener, ask the questions. Is that how it works? That's oh, how it works. Let's go oh, over. Let's we go got mail. You have to. We, we do. We actually got mail. three here. Yes, in the mail. Yes. Our mm. first question comes from Latanya Horn. Oh, Latanya, I loved Latanya. She's over in Arlington, That's Virginia, right. and yeah. she writes, "Arch, mm-hmm. yes, I have a brain teaser for oh, you. Oh, really? What mm. is the difference between the mafia and the U.S. government?" <laughs> What is the difference between the mafia? This these questions must relate to the Irishman. Could be. I think these must be questions about the mafia. What's the difference between the mafia and the U.S. government? Hmm. One of them is organized. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Latanya. Latanya Horn. Right, who who produces the morning news on News Channel Eight? There you go. I wonder if she listens to this. Oh. Uh, Godfrey Daniel. Uh, Godfrey Daniel. Of Skaggsville, Maryland. There's one of our listeners. There you go. On Skaggsville. He writes, hey, Arch, can Mm -hmm. you answer this? Right. What do you get when you cross the Russian mob Hmm. with the Italian mob? What do you get when you cross the Russian mob with the Italian mob? Right. Killed. (laughs) That's what. (laughs) Killed. Yeah, right. All right, I yeah, like that one. All right, right. These are in honor of the Irishman, we got, we which is quite a good... I think the Irishman and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood are going to be vying for best picture. Really? Yeah. Let's see if we got the, uh, yeah. Who the last we, one here. This one's from Allison Alexander. Mm-hmm. Where is she living? In Alexandria. <laughs> How coincidental. Allison Alexander of Alexandria. I remember her. And Allison, Lovely woman. Allison Lovely. asks Arch. Yes. Have you heard about the really, really old <laughs> mafioso? The really old mafioso, yeah. right? He makes you an offer he can't remember. <laughs> Allison, thank you so much. Allison Alexander. I'm Uh, Alexander. Well, that's your ask, Arch. That's right. That's enough (laughs) of that. Uh, Let's put out a big thank you to our great friend Jen Cheney of Vulture.com and WTOP for talking with us today. Uh, And next week, you and I will review The Good Liar. And Ford versus Ferrari, which Vroom. I've already seen at a screening. Uh, I can't wait to talk to them. People don't know that you're a car buff. Yeah. I'm an old it. car buff. I, I know cars by year, but you uh, I, I, well, you drive like you're Shelby. 
Carol, Carol Shelby. Shelby. <laughs> yeah, right. I said, maybe I'll tell about the time you drove me over to WETA <laughs> radio. Oh, man. Hmm. Top down. Uh, when you see The Irishman, you will notice one song that is prominently played during the entire movie. It's kind of the theme of the movie, and it is the 1956 version of In the Still of the Night. And it was recorded in 56 by the Five Satins. It's sort of a theme for the passage of time. Do you remember these kind of... Did, did we ever at a radio station that played oldies or oh, sure. doo-wop things? Oh, yeah, sure. We had oldies week at uh, WFAA. They weren't as old <laughs> back then. But anyway, this is from 1956 by the Five Satins from the great doo-wop era in the still of the night and you will hear it in the Irishman and Lou and I we thank you for listening and we hope to see you next week with Arch Campbell and Lou Katz and a cast of thousands comes to you by way of the Katz Podcasting System. Katz, America's number one name in delicatessens, Broadway musicals, and podcasting.